Right. Well, we are. No. We're at 5:30, and we're at quorum. So let's let's get started. Uh, so we have two new commissioners tonight. Welcome. Uh, we'll do introductions kind of later in the in the meeting, sure. um, but to, so we can get started with the, the business for everyone else. Um, but we start with roll call, and we just have the you just say your name into the microphone, so that the minute taker can kind of hear your name and, and kind of hear your voice as they take minutes later. So with that, Kevin, if you wouldn't mind just saying your name. Kevin Larson. Christina Willow Reynolds. Noah Stork. Kevin Boyd. Frank Wagner. Nicole Villanueva. Carl Brown. All right, that is item one and, or A and B. Item C is public discussion of anything not on the agenda. I don't know if anyone here is, it looks like maybe something on the agenda later. Um, all right, that leads to item D, uh, section, the one, section 106 review. This is the, I'm just gonna say that. And yeah, that's fine. <laughs> so a section 106 reviews are something that don't come up very often for our community and some other communities. That's all they really have to review. Uh, basically what it is is section 106 of the 1966 uh, Preservation Act basically says that if a government agency is using federal funds for a project, they need to not hurt a historic resource or a historic property. And it kind of depends on uh, the project and uh, whether or not there's an agreement about that type of project, whether or not, uh, depending on that, determines how much we have to look into it. Community development planners get into this a lot because they use housing and urban development funds, uh, HUD funds, and all of those properties need to be reviewed to make sure that they're not going to um, uh, adversely affect the historic character of something that could be listed on the National Register. The project that we have that came before us uh, now is actually an FCC project, so Federal Communications uh, Commission, and so it involves uh, usually cellular equipment or something like that, and there's a nationwide agreement about this type of work. and. The uh, agency needs to um, determine where their project is going to be, and then they need to kind of determine uh, what is the area of potential effects. And that means like, you know, directly it could affect the building because you hurt the building or you remove something in order to install your equipment. Visually, it could impact a historic distri district if it's just a super unsightly, you know, really egregious change to the setting of the, the area. So they have to determine how big that is. And with the FCC agreement, there's very specific distances that they use. They, they were written into the agreement. The next thing they have to do is look and see if there are any properties that have already been determined to be eligible for the National Register. And the project that we have today is on City High School. And City High School has been determined to be eligible for the National Register. And we have um, had a lot of projects come through over time because everybody wants to put antennas on the cupola. In fact, a long time ago, uh, before I was here, there was a, a project and they were actually gonna remove the cupola and do all sorts of kinds of things. But part of this group's uh, discussion of the project and then part of the state's, the State Historic Preservation Office's discussion of the project led to that project 
not proceeding that way, obviously, because we still have the cupola, uh, but because of the fact that that had been determined to be a National Register eligible project or building and the project would have hurt it. So I want to say that I, staff does not find any concerns with this project, but we are going to present it to you like we would normally anyway, um, partly uh, because that is the role and what we do with these, but also so that we can learn from it. Jessica, so, I'll just also say like this is maybe the, I've been on the commission for like six, maybe six, seven years, and this is like the second, maybe third one of these. This is not a normal occurrence for us, so it's new, new for many of us and a refresher for, for a lot of us. So yeah. just like helping, we got some new folks just trying to help yes. understand where this is like, we're all kind of new to this particular okay. thing. So We've had, uh, for instance, there was one putting equipment on top of the uh, bank on the corner of Washington and Clinton Street downtown. There was another one that was installing something on all of the little light poles along um, the old Capitol along Clinton Street. So we've had some of those kinds of projects as well. So I present, I gave you the entire digital packet of what they send, um, and basically they reach out to us to see if we want to comment on the project. We can become basically someone that they have to consult, and I would recommend, and what I wrote into the recommendation was that I recommend that we do tell them that we would want to be a, a consulting prop, um, party on this project because it is at City Hot. So they include um, a site uh, aerial photo here. You can see this is the main portion um, right in here of City High. Um, and this is where they will put their equipment and this is where the cupola is. They include maps um, and drawings of the work. So mostly what they're going to do with the new work here is uh, listed in all of the blue type. You know, there's a proposed antenna, another proposed antenna, three proposed antennas, expanding this barrier, whatever this barrier is in red. And so they have a drawing that lists what the work will be. Um, then they go into some enlarged drawings. Uh, this is an existing roof plan, and they're telling you with this outline here that they're going to show you that enlarged area on another drawing. It would be on CE 1.2. Um, here's the same plan, but now this is the proposed plan. So all of the new blue things, this is a penthouse on top of the building, and they are going to mount little antennas to the outside of that penthouse. Typically in this type of project, things mounted to the penthouse are the best way to do it. So that would be um, not a concern. Here's a further enlargement. This is at C1.2, and it basically shows uh, what the existing equipment is. There are some labels because they actually plan to remove some of this equipment. Um, they're going to remove these two. There's an antenna here they're going to remove, stuff like that. And then this is the proposed equipment plan. So we have a few new pieces of equipment and some antennas, and all of these are called out. Everything is amounted to this area that is adjacent to the penthouse on the roof. Here's an elevation or a, a side view of, of everything. Um, this is their proposed equipment all in blue, so you can tell that things like this railing exist, but this is all put on a platform that's 
held above the roof. Further reason not to be concerned because it's not actually mounted to the roof itself. Um, this is kind of a section elevation. Um, this is an elevation. All of this shows the exterior brick wall, but then here we have some, a cut through of probably a portion of the building that comes at us or something. Um, and it's showing also the existing, uh, some of the equipment to be removed as well. Um, this is then that same area showing the proposed equipment. Um, you know, it's all cellular equipment. And then they go through, um, they show you all of the drawings of the equipment, but then they also in, uh, provide a historic resources uh, report. And this is where they, they talk about things like that area of potential effect. Now, they have decided that their area of potential effect is 1,000 feet. In a tower this tall, part of the FCC agreement is that the area of potential effect is a half mile. So they've decided that since everything is pretty short and there's a lot of trees and residential buildings, that they only need to use this uh, reduced area, um, which is, it might be fine, but at the same time, I think it's better to look at what the agreement calls for, which is the, the half mile. Um, this is a screenshot from a, a site that is very useful. You, it's through the Office of the State Archaeologist. It's called iSites. Every dot is a property that has a site inventory form on, on file at the State Historic Preservation Office. And then things like our historic districts are these yellow areas. So a half mile from City High, we actually get a little bit into the Longfellow area, just so you're aware of that. What we really are interested in looking at at that point is whether or not this antenna equipment would impact, I guess, the visual characteristics of that historic district. And, and, and really, their 1,000-foot area is probably fine because you, you, you won't be able to see this equipment clearly. This is from um, First Avenue sidewalk. I mean, it's through Google, Google Maps. But you, know, you can say, see the cupola. And maybe this stuff here is some of that existing equipment. I don't know. It's very hard to see. It's always going to be kind of a light color, so it uh, blends away against the blue sky and clouds. And if I go down to Court Street in Muscatine, you know, where the, our historic districts are, you know, there's no way you're going to be able to see City High from that point. So based on that, the recommendation would be that, yes, we want to be consulted. What if they change it and it's somehow different in a way that is unexpected? But ultimately, this project would have no adverse effect to City High because of the nature of the installation and the fact that it's not going to impact the, the, the visual setting of any property that's listed in the National Register. And so, um, you can certainly ask me questions. I can explain anything else, but I do have a recommended motion. I wrote that in the memo, but I'm sorry, I forgot to make a slide about it. So when we get to that, if anyone wants to read the recommended motion, I can just pass this on down. Sounds good. So the normal order of events, just as a reminder for you guys and everybody else, we, when Jessica presents something, we often just kind of ask clarifying questions first, things we just maybe didn't understand. We kind of then let the, um, the public 
speak if they have anything to say, and then we normally have like put a motion on the table so that we can discuss among ourselves. So um, I don't know if we need to do that though for this particular project, but um, I may before we get into our discussion see if there's any members of the public that I don't know if we do or don't. Um, does not look like it. Okay, great. I just want to make sure we got that done before we started our conversation. So we can we can ask questions and have a conversation. We don't need the motion on the floor this particular. Right. No. And and these probably aren't as formal as as some as, of the other things that yep. we we do because you know we're just asked to comment on this. I put a motion because it's on the agenda, and so that's the best way to okay. handle it. But generally, like if you have comments and want to say something. Now is when yep. you would bring them up, and, and we'd include that. Okay. So any questions or comments or anything? I think now is the. Can you go back to that slide with the elevation view? I'd just like to see. This one. Um. Maybe one more back. Yeah. And Let's I have see. the whole drawing set if you want to know what something is. <laughs> and the blue is all proposed new yes all of this is proposed new um, these are panel antenna mounted to existing brackets there's a relocated support pipe back in here uh, oh, a radio on a relocated support pipe maybe this is the pipe um, some cabinets these are the two cabinets etc Jessica, when you say we'll be consulted, that just means like if there's major, ch if there's changes of some kind, like they'll just keep you posted. Yep. And then if you think there's something that we need to know, you'll let us know. Yeah, That's they essentially would what just reach out, yep. definitely. Okay. And you know, it's a kind of thing, if there was a project and there was something like, oh, this is fine, but if they wanted to do this, that would be problematic. Right. Then letting me know that, I can communicate those things to them if they come up. Great. And Jessica, this, uh, is, this is placed on the, I'm trying to remember where it's at, on the newer edition at City High. Isn't it like the 1980s edition, isn't it? Is, um, is there no. that one picture of City High again? Um, since the cupola is right here, it's right. It's right in the middle then, right so it's on the, the original mm -hmm. part of the building. Yeah, I think that after the cupola issue project, they moved all the equipment here behind the penthouse. I don't know if we need more discussion or if we're ready for the motion. I don't want to rush people, but I don't want us to like sit around either. So, how would you feel about making the motion since you've got it? Right here in front of me. That'd be great. All right, uh, Carl Brown recommended motion. I move to respond to the request for comment on the T-Mobile project at 1900 Morningside Drive as follows. The Iowa City Historic Preservation Commission requests to be considered a consulting party in the project. The commission further requests the five-mile APE prescribed by the programmatic agreement and that the commission agrees with the determination that the project will have no adverse effect on historic structure, uh, historic resources. And that's a half mile. If I wrote it wrong, I meant... Wait, did I say five mile? Yeah. I meant 0.5 mile. Oh, okay. AKA half mile. Good. Yes. And do we have a... Did we read it? No. Okay. Do we have a second? Wagner second. All right, now we can discuss if we need to, otherwise we'll just vote, and when we vote, we'll just say, I'll say aye, and you say aye, or if you say no, then say no. So that's what's gonna happen. Just for our new people, this is like the most nerve-wracking part for me in my first meeting. Um, <laughs> all right, all in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? All right, motion carries. See, we got that done. First vote out of the way, guys. Um, all right, 
The next item on the agenda is item E. These are report on certificates issued by staff, our chair and staff. Um, just for our new people and just a reminder in general, we many things that we review over and over again, we have shifted the burden from having the commission vote on it to just having staff or staff and chair review it to help move projects along a little faster. At each of these meetings, we get presented on what happens since the last meeting. Um, and so if there's concerns about anything that, that Jessica and I signed off on or Jessica signed off on, now's the time to, to share it and just to see what we've, what we've approved. So that's why we do this uh, part of the meeting. Yeah, if you do have questions, you can ask them too. Uh, the first ones will be certificate of no material effect. These are reviewed by both staff and chair. Uh, we had the house uh, 1024 Woodlawn Avenue here. There was some deteriorated wood, um, failing brick foundation, uh, some siding. There's also a flat roof uh, here and on the back that the roof membrane will be replaced. Um, 1118 East Court Street, uh, the concrete stairs will be replaced, not the sidewalls. Uh, 619 North Lynn Street, this is a key property, and at one point in time, the uh, railing around the porch was missing, but we knew from a historic photograph that it exists. So it was rebuilt, and uh, rebuilt in a way that has caused it to deteriorate really quickly. And we got, the owner got a absolutely superbly excellent kind of document about what was wrong and how it would be fixed from the contractor. I, I haven't seen something that in depth and researched from an individual contractor in a very long time. It was amazing. Curious, do you, do you know the name of the contractor? Um, I do, but maybe I shouldn't say that right now. I don't know. <laughs> ah, I see. <laughs> just, um. You could, if someone, Carl, if you want to see the report, you could, I just asked us. Oh, yeah. It's really helpful. She forwarded it to me, and it was just, I thought it was really good also. So. I could just I, don't Could know. I see the report? Oh, uh, yeah. Thank you. Uh, it was submitted as part of the application, so it's all public information. I just don't know that I should really say it, you know, in the minutes. Um, then we have minor reviews. Minor reviews are projects where the commission has decided that if it meets certain conditions that staff can approve it on their own. Um, this one was actually complicated, so I have two slides. Um, the house looked like this, and it was for sale, and the new, the new or potential, I don't know what they were, owners called, and we talked about all of the process to turn this house into something better. We t I started researching it because we needed to remove the asbestos siding and make all of the additions fit in. Well, they just decided to move forward and not get any approvals or work with us in any way. <laughs> and so uh, they were reported for work without a permit and uh, we went back and talked to them about things. Now, some of this is, for instance, um, oops, this this window here is an odd size it should be the same kind of shape as this one it's been replaced once they removed the asbestos we could see actually the original size of that window there you know if they had worked with us we would have been having conversations like okay do you plan to keep these windows then let's alter the trim to fit them do you plan to someday replace them with something that matches the others? Then let's figure out how to do the siding and trim now in a way that makes that easily feasible. 
and this we just didn't do it because of the way the process went through um, we had some other things um, I found a photo from the 80s that showed what it was like before this addition um, they showed me the photos from when they removed the asbestos and there were certain things like there would be a drip mold that went in this slot right here and they instead just put a piece of trim board over it a flat piece and so there are certain things that they did that we have um, written into the approval that they will be altered uh, I'm not sure exactly when um, but it was just it could have been a, a simple project that became much more complicated because of how it was done uh, 814 Church Street just got a simple little um, deck set in from the side walls of the house because it's aligned to the bump out on the back of the house. Um, 529 Brown Street, this is an interesting case. It was a rental for a long time. It's a National Register landmark. All of these amazing doors are uh, salvaged from other properties and none of them actually fit the openings properly. And so um, the front door was changed. Um, they went with a simple door instead of a salvage door, but it actually, this is um, not a door from the era of the house. It's also um, extra thin. It's like only um, an inch thick or something like that too. So um, there are some other doors that'll eventually need to be changed as well. Uh, 530 Governor Street, South Governor Street. This is the house and they are also just getting a simple little um, deck here it'll be set in from this corner and line up actually it extends past this corner if I remember right but not out past the side of the house 728 and 730 Brown Street uh, I've been working with the owner a little bit for updates to some of these doors and windows um, the current project uh, that only needed review because it was a change to some degree they um, are changing the sliding doors here to French doors, and there's four sets of them. Um, 324 Fairchild Street is a house that um, the commission reviewed a big addition for it uh, last year or in the fall or something like that. And they were always planning on putting a deck on the back, but they never submitted an application for it. So they too were just getting a flat, um, just level deck. It'll have a step down. Um, they did have a, a wood stoop at this door as part of their addition, and they wanted to change it to concrete since it's just one step up, we um, approved that. Um, 845 Maggard Street, this is in, um, a conservation district this was done without a permit like this and um, there are some other issues but the main thing is that uh, another contractor came in he will uh, fix the structural issues and the railing will follow our guidelines this does not follow our guidelines it's this is kind of like a modern deck railing it'll have posts it'll have a top and bottom rail and, and spindles in the right configuration and then we had an intermediate review or two. Um, and, and these are reviewed by chair and staff. Um, this one is an intermediate review because it is a property in a conservation district and it was not a huge change they were making. Uh, the house had been duplexed, so it had a 
uh, first floor entry and a second floor entry off the side and now it's a single family home and so they are removing this door and this step and putting a window in there and the window will match the other windows in the house which it would have had a window at the stair there anyway originally uh, the other thing they're doing is replacing these uh, steps uh, to this the, the front porch I believe is only partially enclosed like this part was the open part and this part was enclosed originally um, but these steps they're replacing for some reason they're going to have them angle out um, this was another work without a permit that was found this last month um, the design ranch building the historic part of the building is this house back here and it was actually relocated to this uh, location for the construction of Horseman Elementary. And then the owner built a, a little storefront like here and added onto it and other things. Um, the parapet wall has been leaking for a long time. There's kind of like a little deck that goes up so you can kind of get to this roof. And so they removed the parapet wall. Um, once we started talking with them, we worked out a way to we're not rebuilding a front porch because this this area will always be enclosed it's part of the business now but we were making it look more like it was a porch that had been enclosed so it'll have a little tiny hip roof uh, this odd lower door will kind of sort of have the appearance of porch columns on either side basically to get rid of this uh, t111 you know parapet wall that we have there and be able to see the front of the house again what's t111 it's plywood siding with grooves cut in it woodpeckers like mm -hmm. <laughs> it was used a lot in the 70s and 80s all right the next item is the consideration of minutes from our june 9th meeting i don't know if anyone had any amendments or changes if not I'll entertain a motion to approve the minutes from july 9th Wagner moves to approve the minutes from June 9th. Sorry, thank you. Stork seconds. All in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? Minutes are approved. All right, we've got some commission discussion items. Um, the first is 724 Ronald Street. Uh, this is a, a property that the city um, purchased, I think maybe six or seven years ago. Um, it's thank you jessica um we the commission i think maybe my first or second meeting uh, moved it from um, a contributing property to non-contributing in december the city staff uh, determined that it was needed to be demolished because it was not i can't remember exactly what it was but um they uh notified us uh, the day before our january meeting where we couldn't discuss it but we did talk about it at our february meeting and kind of agreed that the building needed to come down. The city's owned the lot for five years. Shortly after it came down, I suggested to Jessica that we include it on a future. Uh, uh, there was no city plans that we knew of uh, and included on an agenda that was light so we could talk about it. Um, in the, that was in June, I think, or maybe late May, I suggest we talk about it this month. Since then, uh, there was a proposal that the city council um, approved on, uh, Tuesday um, and uh, the, I think I, I had written them and said hey just so you know we're set to talk about this two nights from from now I would love to share some Commission thoughts um, 
but they decided to move forward, but wanted, I think, front-end approval, um, or front-end feedback from the, our commission and the Northside neighbors um, on the project. So there was a memo in the um, packet about it. I think we've got some folks here tonight that may want to talk about it. I, I see a head nodding. Um, so uh, we'll let them do that, and then maybe we can talk about what um, we'll, the, the final review will come back to whatever is proposed will come back to us for review. But since the city owns the lot and is going to sell the lot, probably they've already prepped it and will sell it. I think there's an opportunity for us to say, to add something to the agreement, the sales agreement, or suggest to the city that they consider that. So that's kind of what we're discussing. Anything that we want to make sure um, feedback that's provided on the front end um, uh, that goes to the city leadership as they move forward with this project that was just approved on Tuesday. So that's kind of our role on this particular item. So uh, with that, why don't we have, if any members of the public are here to speak. Evening, thank you. Could you sign in, Simon, please? Oh, yes, of course. Appreciate your time this evening. My name is Simon Andrew. I am the executive director for the Housing Fellowship. Um, we are a nonprofit uh, rental housing provider uh, throughout Johnson County. Um, we have 209 units uh, throughout the county, um, mostly within the city of Iowa City, uh, mostly single family homes, townhomes, duplexes, uh, two apartment buildings. Um, we're very excited to be um, a part of this uh, project, uh, this nascent project. Um, the, the proposal is that uh, the Iowa City School District in resuming their uh, student built project uh, would work with the Home Builders Association to construct a home on this lot that would then be used for affordable housing. Uh, the goal is for a net zero design on this lot and we are very excited to be part of this project. So uh, it is extremely important to the Housing Fellowship to be able to complete our mission that um, we are well liked by neighbors, that we're supported by the neighborhood, supported by the community. So we very much look forward to working with the commission on the design of the home. Uh, the home has not been designed yet. Uh, design work would start um, after we close on the property. So um, we very much look forward to, to working you, uh, with you on that. Um, and again, it's absolutely critical to our mission that we have the community support. You know, the organization's been around about 30 years, and initially there was a lot of pushback in the community about affordable housing. You know, the classic NIMBY arguments would um, frequently carry the day when we were trying to approach a project or acquire a home or acquire a lot. Um, I really feel like our community's made a a big change in the last decade plus in that regard. I feel like we have a lot more public support and I like to think that that's largely because of the way that we do work with neighborhoods and are good stewards of our homes, are good uh, landlords for our tenants. So again, just wanted to uh, introduce myself and um, uh, express our eagerness to work with you to make sure that um, whatever is designed and built here is a positive for the community. What we're hoping for is a, a three to five bedroom home on the site. Um, you know, we've uh, acquired 45 units in the last couple of years, but those were all one and two bedroom units. Uh, the, the families that we're having the hardest time serving right now are those with children in the home. So um, that's what we're looking for. And uh, again, look forward to working with you on it. So thank you for your time tonight. Happy to answer any questions. I don't know if folks have any. I think that's great. I'm excited. Uh, you know, I, I, as, as much as I was disappointed about how the, 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 the city approached the project, I'm very excited about what I think the end results uh, are going to be. Um, and, uh, you know, I think as, as I've talked to, I live in the Northside neighbors, I've talked to neighbors, I think 
the hope for this site was to make sure that there there was an affordable out, uh, housing element uh, from the beginning. And I think when we started hearing that there was a project being developed without much neighborhood buy, and there was concern that it may not. So I think uh, I think it's a, I'm excited about where we're where we're going to end up. Um, despite how the I think the city uh, leadership staff uh, handled it but that's not your problem that's that's uh, someone else's so appreciate it very much all right thank you all so much hi there my name is GT Carr um, resident in Iowa City but I'm representing the vocational training council I will sign in thank you thank you I promise I will <laughs> been a long day apologies um, I just wanted to mention, uh, I think, two important things. Um, the plan here, um, as, as our vocational training council uh, arm of the Home Builders Association, uh, I will be actively managing this as, as the GC, is to deliver something that all of us as residents of Iowa City are proud of. You have my assurance in that. Um, I have spoken to Jessica in the past that uh, you know, this this was a dream, and 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 if this if this project would come together, um, one of the first things we would do would be be going to her desk with preliminary plans uh, when we get to that point because I want the input. Um, we're gonna there's obviously guidelines that that are gonna drive us a lot anyway, but we've got a a, a good challenge ahead of us with with student workforce development labor, uh, resurrecting that program on an infill site with neighbors. We know all of this with the historic preservation, and if that wasn't enough, our, our goal's net zero. So um, we want to deliver something that the entire community is proud of, and, and you have my assurance of that. So I just want to thank you for your time and look forward to working for you, with you in the future. I can probably add a couple things. Yeah, that'd be great, Jessica. I do want to say, GT, that uh, using salvage materials helps get you a long ways towards net zero. We're going to need all the help we can get. So that's <laughs> that's the hopefully the architect's going to help me with that, but yeah. So um, I, I don't know a lot of the details, but I do know that one component of the project will be that there will be a good neighbor meeting. Good neighbor meetings happen a lot in planning for um, subdivisions and stuff like that when they uh, basically have kind of worked out some of the details of the subdivision and then they take that to the neighborhood to talk about what they're planning to do. It's not like a pre-design meeting. It's basically, you know, they kind of know, but the community can con uh, reach out with comments like, oh, well, what about a trail from here to here? Because we all do this. You know, that's a place where some of those uh, fine-tuning things and things that really impact the community around can kind of be commented on and the community can actually react to something that they've produced. And to my knowledge, uh, at least what I've been told, this project, even though it, you know, it's not required for this type of a project, they will have a good neighbor meeting, partly to be able to get that community feedback and stuff like that. I'm assuming, based on what a good neighbor meeting is, that it'll be sometime it, um, after they have done some design, but it will also be before the project comes to the commission for uh, review. In our normal way of working through a new construction, they do work with me first. I help them work through what the guidelines are, um, talking about styles of architecture that fit the neighborhood and stuff like that. And then when we have something that we think we can get approved by the commission, 
or approved with ex exceptions and stuff, then we bring it to the commission for review. So there will be that extra time of the, the good neighbor meeting when um, everybody will be able to have a better idea of what's going on. Uh, just the, what the good neighbor meeting, I think, is a result of the city council saying we need to make sure there's public input um, as, so. as, as well. I, I'm just, I, wa I watched the, the work session that seems oh, to be okay. the, the result of that. And then I think kind of our feedback tonight is an opportunity to weigh in on conceptually. We need to be very careful. I was just thinking of this too, Jessica. Mm -hmm. If there is a good neighbor meeting that is presenting a design before we voted on it, we sh if, if any of us attend, we should not say anything because we need to wait. And so we've seen all the material before we like make judgments on something that we're going to review. So just a reminder for, I know there's a few of us that live in the neighborhood or nearby. Um, but I think it, what we can sit, talk about tonight is things we want to kind of expectations we have um, that that's broadly, I think, is kind of where what our role is tonight um, that we could either suggest or we could ask, you know, recommend to the city that they include in the purchase agreement or anything like that. So. Um, I just had a question just about the yeah. logistics of it. So the city currently owns the property. Yes. And then they will sell it to you. <laughs> and tell me again who you're with or who you represent. Uh, the housing fellowship um, for about 30 years, it was directed by Marianne Dennis. Um, if you're familiar with that name, that's usually how people knew us. But okay. um, yeah, we're a nonprofit rental housing uh, owner manager. Again, 209 properties. Um, we are a federally designated community housing development organization. Um, we go through a number of um, uh, processes for that um, vetting for that designation, which does open up some federal funds too. Um, the exact uh, terms of the affordability would be um, kind of hashed out once we get a little bit more into design and know what the, the cost of the house will be. Um, so we would be acquiring the lot, which would give, um, you know, once we have control of the lot, then design can start. Um, and that's when we can start investing in that project. Um, if this isn't going to be a lot that would work, if this wasn't going to be a lot that worked for that, then we'd have to shop around elsewhere and try and find one. So um, the city will convey uh, the lot to us uh, and then, yeah, start on the design process after that. And does, do any of your uh, the individuals who rent to the, is it ever uh, rent to own ever? Or is that um, We option? have sold properties to, we have done, well, first we have done some home ownership programs. Um, that's usually um, where we own the land um, and then we're the uh, continuing landowner and do a um, land lease to the homeowner. That's usually to access some federal funds that wouldn't be available otherwise if the home buyer didn't have an income that would uh, support the underwriting for a loan the size we would retain ownership of the land and then we can uh, more easily enforce the affordability on those um, in my time with the organization the last couple of years my take on that is that's a better suited program for habitat for humanity um, that their wheelhouse is more home ownership programs and ours is more rental um, we are working on a number of partnerships with them um, in which we either trade property or buying a house from them next month um, as well. You know, one that um, was above a price range that they could get under affordability for a homeowner. So we will use that as a rent rental. Um, you know, on the flip side, we'll have properties that maybe need some rehabilitation work that we don't have funding for in the near term. It's a good option for home ownership. They can access their volunteer workers to do the rehabilitation, uh, and then it becomes a home ownership program. Um, so, yeah, we do have a strong relationship with them. I think that it's best suited for us to stay in the, the rental housing world and try and facilitate um, 
them handling the affordable home ownership piece. Um, one of the stories I like to tell recently, it was just one of our recent tenants that moved out. Uh, the family had started at Shelter House um, probably 10 or 15 years ago. Um, the Shelter House referred them to us. Uh, they lived with us in, for a number of years as they were able to stabilize their finances. They just recently purchased a house through a Habitat for Humanity program. So they went all through our nonprofit housing providers in the community and it's you know, the exact example of how we want to see things done. Um, and I guess while I'm on the topic of partnerships, we have had a number during the pandemic that we're quite proud of. This is probably not exactly germane, but um, I like to point it out. Uh, early on in the pandemic, as the domestic violence intervention program was trying to reduce the numbers in their shelter, um, we were able to use a number of our properties for their um, shelter clients uh, to move out of that shelter. We did that free of charge. Um, recently, when Shelter House had one of their facilities burned down, um, we were able to provide them one of our homes for a year. Um, that one did have a rental rate, but it was supported by uh, the tenant's previous uh, income for their uh, rent, but um, they were able to use that for a year as they reconstructed their uh, Fairweather Lodge. So, um, yeah, we like to think of ourselves as part of a broader system, um, and ours is that kind of um, lower to moderate income uh, rental piece, if that makes sense. Other thoughts? I have a, just one, but I want to wait until other folks have a chance. I, I think for me, you know, the, I, I, I think this is, although not what we were told was going to happen when we moved it from historic to, or contributing to, to non-contributing, I do think it's a, it's a good outcome that's going to move forward. But I, I do want to just, um, as we think about our design guidelines, we've got several that are recommended or encouraged and then some that are disallowed right i think we should really try to make sure that, that and we sometimes make exceptions and i'd really like to try to for this for the city to own this to have owned this lot and then sell it probably at i'm assuming some kind of discount uh, they've already prepped it to try to minimize those exceptions in the design um but i wanted to kind of get get your thoughts on that um the, the way that when people come with applications they can come with exceptions for different reasons and I'd like to try to minimize those except for the needs for the lot. That's kind of my um, thought about it. Since it is like non-contributing now, what is the like the level of jurisdiction do we have over that those guidelines? Oh, anything that's that's built, in, we'll, we will approve what the design come, that comes back um, and, ha and have to vote on it. I, I just, would, my preference is the design that comes back minimizes those exceptions that they're okay. asking for. We do have design guidelines for new construction in a district. And then there are some exceptions that would only work in a conservation district. This is a historic district. Okay. I believe that there are some exceptions in the guidelines for a historic district. And, and that's what you're talking about. Yes. Unless the lot requires them, right? I mean, it's a kind of a odd, it's yeah. a very sloped right. lot, you know, there may be some needs to that. When I was reading some of the notes too, I noticed at one time they had talked about the possibility of two houses, but it's going to be one three to five bedroom. Is that correct? That would be the initial program, uh, the initial plan. We need to um, look at the lot. There is a potential. It is big enough that it could be subdivided into two lots. So ideally, you know, this could be a challenge and it might not be possible. There's a private sewer easement um, through the lot. 
uh, that um, is cost prohibitive to relocate. Um, when the city was initially looking at plans six years ago when it was more the missing middle housing design, um, they found that relocating that sewer was going to be cost prohibitive. So we're gonna have to design around that, um, but it is deep enough with enough area that you could potentially divide it lengthwise um, down the middle and have two neighboring lots. Um, if there was a second project next door, it would likely have to be much smaller. Um, I'm not sure that um, both would fit on there, but until we start getting into design, we won't know that for sure. Um, right now, the only discussion is yes, one house, but hopefully, um, you know, the the dream is that the following year we could potentially do another student built project if um, you know all, all the partners were willing and, and able to that would um, be our preference but that remains to be seen but yes you are right that uh, there could be um, two houses uh, total if that is able to be subdivided but you did say that um, two to three bedroom homes that those are kind of scarce right now and, and you could really use that yep. in your program. Yeah. Yep. And that's the hardest thing for us to do is turning away families when they come in with children um, in the home. And that's really our wheelhouse. Um, we have a number of families that have lived in our homes for um, a decade, 15 years plus. You know, their children have gone all through the schools um, with their neighboring kids. And um, that's really what we're best at. Um, our acquisitions, again, in the last couple of years, it was 45 units, but they were all one and two bedroom apartments um, that tend to be more younger professionals, retirees, um, fewer children in the home. So uh, we really would love to serve those families that we're unable to right now. I brought this up just so you can see that at least across the street, the lot sizes, well, and except for this one, tend to be the size of the original lots. And so you can see that that lot is also that size. It's 80 feet wide and our zoning code requires a lot to be, I believe, 40 feet wide. So it could be divided. And frankly, any owner could divide it and sell off a half of it. That's, that's possible really anywhere like that as long as the new lot meets the code. Right, but if the city was selling this to a private developer, the city could say it's got to be, I mean, yes, they, could, they could, any seller can add mm -hmm. They can put any requirements they or, want. I don't think that's what anyone's suggesting, but that. Mm -hmm. And back to your point, Kevin, about you'd like to try to minimize the exceptions on this project. Are you saying that because it's new construction and so why not? Yeah. try to minimize those exceptions that, is that, that you're yeah, thinking that and that the city is, is has done a lot of work already and so we should make sure that we're achieving all our goals got it it seems like you could start from a place of not making exceptions mm -hmm. i agree other thoughts about that Do we have a, a majority of folks who feel strongly, feel like we should ask, we're just like setting expectations that no one has to actually, I don't think anyone's, I think just saying this is what we expect. Can I ask, if, has this ever been done in like a neighborhood 
that's established, like, you know, the north side is incredibly an old neighborhood. It's a historic district. Has this ever been done in a different neighborhood? Um, I couldn't guarantee new construction in a historic uh, district. We do have um, homes that are in historic districts. So we have, we do have some experience with doing rehab work. Um, we have done infill development for single family homes. But again, I can't promise that that was in a historic district. Um, and other times, you know, if it's a tax credit project or something like that, we'll build a whole block of homes all at once. Um, there are a couple of neighborhoods in town that were um, built by us with a, a tax credit project um, that are um, maybe an infill site within a neighborhood, but it would be a much larger site than a, a single family lot. Um, but yes, we have done infill in the past. It's super exciting, I think. Um, I think it has the potential to be a real example for the city. Um, I like the idea that there's going to be a neighborhood meeting, the you know good neighbor meeting. I think that's a great idea because there, you know, there will be questions and things like that. Um, but I think it, excited to see it. <laughs> excited to see how you know, and and just like you said, you know, for, have expectations. But um, yeah, I'm excited to see how it all goes. Sounds good. Can I, I just want to make sure that we've got a majority of com the commission that feels. Yeah. yeah. I'm seeing. I got at least okay. Jessica, just some guidance for you as you talk to, um, okay. talk to folks. Um, all right, thank you very much. I'm sure we'll see a lot more of you in the coming uh, months uh, around this, so thank you. All right, we're on to the new commissioner uh, welcome portion. Um, I thought it would be helpful for all of us to just introduce ourselves. Uh, I'll start. Um, I'm Kevin Boyd, I'm uh, the, the current chair, and I've been on the commission, I think, I think for six years. I think my, I, um, yeah, you started a year before your first real term, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like six years, like right now. Um, and uh, I'm an at-large representative by live in the um, at the very where where the Brown Street Historic District, kind of the lowest, the farthest south part of it on North End Duran Street. So, um, and really interested. Grew up in Iowa City, very uh, cared deeply about Iowa City history. It's a, a kind of a hobby of mine. So. Um, maybe we could just start, like, do you want to mind sure. just introducing yourself and we'll just kind of go down and introduce ourselves yep. a little bit. Carl Brown, um, I'm here with the Longfellow District. Remember now I used to live in the South Governor Street area also, so um, I've, I've appreciated uh, what the commission does and, and what it tries to do and, and what homeowners do when they think about things in the way that we encourage them to think. So I've been on the commission, I think, for two years. This is either my second or third year. I think it might be my third year. Um, and uh, anyways, welcome to all the new commissioners. Uh, I'm Nicole Villanueva. Um, I'm from Summit Street. Uh, my husband and I came here in undergrad and have never left Iowa City and have grown to really love this town. And we've always dreamed of living in a historic district. So when we got to uh, buy a house on Summit and finding out about this commission, we just th I thought it was a really great way to get involved with the community and learn a lot more about Iowa City and the history of Iowa City. So I'm really excited to be here. So. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, Frank Wagner, a native of Iowa City. Grew up in a, on Woodlawn. My parents still live on Woodlawn. Second house on the right. And I'm a contractor and pretty much only do work on old buildings. Built after 1930, I'm not interested. <laughs> and got lots of projects like that going on now. <laughs> Keeping busy. Yes. And I'm Deanna Thoman, and I represent the north side. And um, I've lived in an old house there for about 20 years now. My sister and I bought it when we started college, and it was my great, great, 
grandparents' home. And that's what really got me interested in, in working with this commission um, and uh, got to see my house become a contributing house too and a historic district and the work that was put into that. So I'm glad to be here and I'm glad you're here too. I'm Noah Stork and I represent the College Green District. I live in a house right in the corner called Johnson and uh, a lot of foot traffic and <laughs> it's fun to interact with the public in that way. Um, definitely, I am kind of newer to the, to the commission, so I'm still trying to fill that out, but um, as a homeowner in a historic district, you know, there's these guidelines we have to follow, so just wanted to be a part of that and learn more about the interaction with the public that wants to do the thing, same things to their house. And so welcome to the new commissioners. So I'm Christina Reynolds and okay, we bought the Thoman house. You didn't grow up on Brown Street, did you? No, <laughs> so it's a different Thoman. Then. And it's a different they had like eight kids. It's a different family different too. Thoman family. Uh, well, okay. different last name. Okay. The Thoman name goes with someplace south of here near Riverside, but I think okay. there's probably a connection. <laughs> oh, yeah, Interesting. Probably, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, I teach over at City High, um, and um, this is our, we're in the third house we've renovated in Iowa City, mm. and uh, hopefully the last <laughs> one. It's been a lot of work, but um, yeah, I'm excited to, to be on the commission. And I also coach, so there's, I told Jessica there might be a couple of uh, times in the, the, the fall and the spring that I'll be gone for cross country and track meets, mm. but hopefully not too much. So you still have a forum. <laughs> I was yeah. worried about that. <laughs> um, yeah, and I'm Kevin Larson. Um, I'm in the Woodlawn District. I'm probably the only renter on the commission. I'm a master's student at the University of Interim Planning. Um, I was an architect before I started my master's degree. Um, so I, I have an interest in the architecture side of things and I have interest in just, you know, learning about what, what's going on and planning and what's going on in the city. So it's been a good learning experience for me. Awesome. Well, thank you. We're welcome. Glad to have you. We've got a couple other commissioners who are not here tonight. I think they're on vacation this week. Traveling. What's up? Traveling, yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so up next is our Historic Preservation Awards. Um, we have annual pre preservation awards that we give out. Uh, we had a subcommittee. Jessica, am I stealing what you're going to say? No, I'm not. I don't okay. need we to have, speak. <laughs> <laughs> we, have a, we had a subcommittee meeting a little while ago to um, kind of nominate stuff, and tonight is the commission votes on them. Um, and then we'll work on getting some information and putting together the awards ceremony. Yeah, so what we'll do today is I'll go through quickly the um, awardees that the subcommittee picked, and I need you guys to vote to approve them officially. Um, but we won't keep this in the minutes or anything. So if you um, remember that if, if you want to say something that we are recorded, just so that's out there. Um, but I'm not going to put it in the minutes specifically. But if somebody wants to be watching on YouTube, they can. Um, but anyway, we'll have the awards in September. And I'm hoping that I can get a lot of the commission to help. And we can talk about that some other day. Um, oh wrong one I'm sorry I have two here okay so we usually use some specific categories and we've mostly stuck to that this time um, these are the 2021 awards because that year is the year that has been completed <laughs> um, in residential paint and exterior finishes 
Uh, we have 811 Brown Street that has been painted and this was nominated by the owner. Um, and I believe that the roof was painted. I don't have a photo of it there, but it was, you know, had some rot and stuff before. Um, but most of the time when the no uh, owner nominates, we want to um, award that. This is a feel-good thing, not a judgy thing. <laughs> 1802 College Street. Um, this was nominated actually by me. It is up near City High. I um, don't know if it's just a paint or a rehab because I think that they just painted their aluminum siding, but it still looks so much better than the all white, and so that's why they are nominated. Um, 1168 Court Street has been painted. Um, we had, knew it was being painted, and this is the final version. Uh, 528 Iowa Avenue. I think this, this one was also nominated by the owner of the Yellow Houses. It's the best. <laughs> uh, 606 South Johnson was nominated by a ton of people. Um, this is a house that we would love to have as a local landmark. It's a McConnell Bristol house. Um, it is brick that has been painted and so similar to the house up on um, Summit and Burlington, the suggestion was to paint it a brick color. It's always going to be painted, so might as well make it look more like the brick. And so this is the spectacular after. I don't know if they've done other rehab work. They might have, but we don't know that. This is one of like six pre-1890 buildings that isn't yeah. landmark landmarked during a historic district in Iowa City. So it's it's the... There's only a handful of pre-1900 buildings that aren't in brick. Landmarked. What's that? In brick. And brick. In brick. In uh, brick. No, there are some other pre-1890s houses that are. There's not many. Well, well, maybe I have the year wrong. Maybe it's like 1860. Yeah, 1860. Yeah, I think that's right. That Sorry. Really. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, and then in the category of residential rehabilitation. Um, this is a limited scope project. It is the porch reconstruction. We started with an original roof and other stuff, and now we have the original roof and more uh, columns that more fit that and uh, work better with it. This house obviously has uh, <laughs> layers of asphalt shingle siding on it. Um, it is a rental property, and we hope that the owners are encouraged to continue their work. Oh, because I think it's also a giant prairie school stucco house. I think it's probably fantastic. It was always an apartment. It was built that way. Um, Bella, 12 Bella Vista Place. This is the pink one on the very end of Bella Vista Place. And... The roof was damaged in the derecho and was entirely replaced with brand new terracotta tile flown in from Europe. Wow. wow. Yeah. It's for sale. It is for sale. <laughs> it is. Oh, well. They, we can still give them an award. Yeah, we can. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's it was. The former Iowa Attorney General's home, by the way. Mm. They also had to uh, reconstruct the, a very interesting internal gutter system. It was just a huge project. We better contact them right away. Um, 1519 Center, simple pointing of masonry, replacing the cap, nominated by the owner. 
because they were so impressed with the Mason. I mean, he, he called me three times to make sure they were nominated. <laughs> now, when we're talking about masonry pointing, it's not going to be the most spectacular before and after photos because the point is that we don't want to be able to see it unless, you know, it looked really bad <laughs> originally. So it's not going to be the most spectacular, but um, it is excellent work. Um, 516 Fairchild, this was a house that went through the University Partnership Program and had a whole bunch of mess. It was really bad. When it was sold to the new owner, um, it's still original house, one-story addition, separate garage, added onto, and a lot of weird apartment living space in this bay. Anyway, the new owner decided all of that was crazy and uh, made it into a garage again with no apartment and fixed the entry. Um, this is probably the most striking of the uh, rehabilitations that, that we have here um, because former rental house, lots of metal siding, um, removed it, repaired it all, and um, it looks like this. I think they're considering rebuilding the wraparound porch. It wrapped around the front here. Um, just a, a young couple who owns it um, and have done a spectacular job. Another one, um, 810 Roosevelt Street. This house had uh, metal siding and the derecho ripped off a little siding and the owner couldn't take it. <laughs> and she started continuing on. Um, this house was so spectacular when the metal siding was removed that we now think it's like 40 years older than it was before. I mean, everything about this entry right here says 1930s. And all of the details and forms t basically say 1880s. Hmm. So um, the owner has gotten interested in uh, researching uh, the history of the house as well, and so she's done a little bit of that. Um, it was painted, there were some details in these um, pedimented window uh, hoods and she had them remade and, and everything. We could tell because they had been ripped off and there was the ghost of paint. It was, it was pretty spectacular. There are some additions. This house did have a front porch and it doesn't have it and probably won't ever, but Commercial rehabilitation, we have one. Um, Union Brewery is a national register and local landmark, and they did an amazing amount of work uh, repairing all of this extensive Italianate uh, crown. Uh, they worked on like the base of the column. Um, in the, they replaced the modern door area. They worked on the wood paneling below windows. They just did an extensive amount of work and it looks great. This is one of the during photos. Um, new addition, we have um, this garage. It was built by Frank, so you could, you know, he can step out if you need to say bad things, but <laughs> um, uh, it is a new garage and the owners are hopefully going to be encouraged to also remove their metal siding on their house. This was the before garage. <laughs> um, and we have two potential stewardship awards. First of all, um, Gregory Selick lived in and remodeled and worked on this house for many years and he passed away last fall. 
and um, the committee would like to give him a posthumous uh, stewardship award. Um, and for this one, really, we'll have to approach the family and, and see how they feel about that and, and everything. So um, we'll see how that goes. Um, and then we were also interested in giving a stewardship award to Public Space One, who now owns three of our local landmarks. Uh, they have done projects to rehabilitate windows and other things. Um, they built, most recently, the accessibility ramp on the back of the Close Mansion. And their goal is really to make these historic properties, especially one that is as grand as the Close Mansion, accessible to, you know, everyday people. Uh, something that it will be unique in its history, really. I guess it was a Johnson County building for a while, so people would have gone into it at that point in time. But they do want to make it so that um, the public can come in and, and use the building and the two that they have on Gilbert Street, on North Gilbert. And that's it. So if you have any questions, ask. If you have any comments about anything, if you think something shouldn't be awarded, we should you know, talk about it now. Otherwise, I would just uh, entertain a motion to um, accept the nominees as presented or something like that. This is Thoman, and I would like to motion to. Are we voting on these tonight? You would vote. You would. You would get a group that you would approve, and then vote to approve the entire group. So, if there's something that you wanted to remove, you would do that. Okay. Um, I'd like to present a motion to decide on a group for the Historic Preservation Awards. Does that is that okay? I think we should just, yeah, maybe move to approve the awards as presented. Okay. How's that? Is that? Yes. So, Thoman has a motion to move to approve the awards as presented. Brown, second. Any discussion about the actual awards? Can I hope we have a motion on the table? All right. All right. All in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? All right, and in the election of officers, we do this every June after we get new commissioners. Um, I am the current chair and have one year left, so I'm happy to serve as chair for at least for that long. Um, but I'm also happy But to are there any other nominations? But if there are other nominations, <laughs> I am happy to just be a commissioner. I'm in favor of you staying as commissioner. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we also have a vice chair. Jordan Seligren is our current vice chair. She's not here tonight. And she did not speak to me about how she feels about that, so I have no no no, no knowledge. So is, we, she, is she on for another year? She is. She's, she okay. just got reappointed for another three-year term. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. Yep. So I, I guess I don't know what we could just – well, we could do it one of two ways. We could just move forward with the chair, figure out the vice chair next time, unless there's someone who wants to nominate themselves to be vice chair, and then we could just vote that. I don't, it's up to you guys. It's your group. So we can't just nominate Jordan in her absence, <laughs> is what you're I saying? I mean, we can. Let, let, okay, if you want to do that, then I would just 
verbally give her the ability to say she doesn't want to accept it, and then we could read Yeah, it. if she declines, then we'll just vote on it and uh, find yeah, another vice chair at the next could, meeting. That could work. Mm -hmm. I just like, for efficiency, that seems like. Yeah. Is that a motion we need, well, Someone need to, yeah, to move to approve, I think, so, both. So I would, Brown, I would move to approve Kevin Boyd as chair for next year and Jordan Sellergren as vice chair, unless she lets us know that she is not in favor of continuing as vice chair. Wagner second. Any discussion? All right. All in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? All right. Thank you. I've got 12 more of these with you guys. <laughs> and I only have one other thing. So um, our senior planner gave me this because she thinks it's super amazing. Um, a former commissioner, Doug Russell, had purchased this at auction, I believe, and then donated it back. What it is, is a handwritten award that the Preservation Commission gave to Irving Weber in 1985. Oh, that's awesome. So now it hangs on the wall in our department. Mm -hmm. It is awesome. a, they're just presenting the 1985 Preservation Week Award to Irving Weber. That's awesome. He wrote a long history. That's awesome. Do you know who did the calligraphy, the writing? No, I don't. Uh, Margaret Novich, who is the chair at the time, uh, we actually have a special award named for her that we could uh, award to a preservationist or a preservation activist or something. Uh, we only do that when it comes up. but um, So in a way, we're capturing that little bit of importance of the history as a group as well. So. That's awesome. I didn't know what that agenda item was, but I saw that last time we were in the office. Yeah. Thought it might be the same. Yeah, in fact, Anne said, did, did they see the award on the wall? And I'm like, oh, I forgot it was there. <laughs> if Jenna Lee would know who drew that, or you know, was that calligrapher. Uh, that's before Jenna Lee was on the commission. Well, my mom was on that commission, but I don't know if she would remember. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. Huh. I don't know. Awesome. Anyway. Well, the only thing left is adjournment. So we need uh, a motion to adjourn. Do you, make a, do you want to do people want to do it? I don't even know. All you uh, say, I move to adjourn. That's uh, it. Villanueva moves to adjourn. Reynolds seconds the motion. All right. All in favor? <laughs> aye, aye. aye. aye.